Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt, and we have another fabulous guest, and we're going to go in a bit of a different direction in today's podcast episode. So I'm super excited for all of you to be along for the ride. Today, we're speaking with Corey Blake, who began his storytelling career as an actor starring in one of the 50 greatest Super Bowl ads of all time. In 2006, he created Roundtable Company, which serves CEOs, thought leaders, and organizations in helping them unpack and share their authentic story through books, film, video, and art installations. He has won numerous, numerous awards and has worked with companies like Microsoft, Workday, Magoosh, Zappos, and ADP. Welcome to the show, Corey. Thank you so much, Kristen. I'm absolutely over the moon excited. So am I. So I, I want everyone to get a chance to learn a bit more about Corey and his work and why he's so passionate about it. But I'll just let everybody know what's going to happen today is I'm such a big believer that if we want to really understand things like storytelling and coaching and transformational experiences like that, the best way for us to really understand it is to not intellectualize it, but to actually experience. So I'm going to give Corey an opportunity to take me on a journey where we're going to unearth some of my story live on the podcast. So I'm modeling vulnerability like I tell all of you. So here we go. Goodness to you. It's impressive. I love it. Yeah. So Corey, tell us a little bit more about this work and why you're so passionate about it. I'm so passionate because I find that um, our stories are are held in our in our bodies. We have all of this embodied story wisdom that we walk around with. And, uh, and we haven't often, most of us have not been taught in life really how to access that kind of wisdom. So we, we try to pull things from our head. We make meaning right from our, from our brain and our body constantly, constantly is poking at us saying, I've got something to share with you. I've got something to share with you, but we, if we don't have our heightened awareness that it's happening, we ignore, right. What our, what our body wants to tell us. And kind of get for the for for someone who hasn't had a lot of access to this work yet is like what you think what we think of as our gut instinct you know and i'm somebody who like i i am i am anti-gut instinct because i think there's all kinds of stuff that gets mixed in there which is often my fear i, I am labeling as my gut not necessarily right so like so i think we have all kinds of misunderstandings um in relationship to our wisdom and what life has taught us and when we can get that stuff out of the way we can actually start to connect the dots to what exactly we are meant to do in the world today based on the experiences that we have had in life, which is much less about what I think I want and more is what is wanted of me. And that's where we get into that zone of like a real deeper purpose as opposed to intellectualized what I want purpose. 
And I, I love that work. I just love it so much. It brings people to life in ways that are so fulfilling for me to be a part of. Yeah. And it's so much, uh, and this is why we connect right away when we start talking, because I feel like so much of the work that I do is, you know, our, our mind serves us. It's great. We don't want to lose our mind, but a lot of times I find leaders operate from the, the neck up. And so they're not dropping down and tapping into all of this wisdom. Our body has so much intellect. So I'm not surprised we connect on this because it's a beautiful way of, um, helping people to really hear those parts of themselves that are trying to get their attention, but sometimes there's just not space or time or stillness created in order to be able to hear that. Therapy can address pieces from our from our past. Um, I think there there are different uh, modalities that can help us to access our greater self. But there's something about um, guiding people through the process of revising their own story to be more authentic um, that that makes them larger grander um, increases their capacity to meet the world and I, there's just something so magical and precious to me sacred even about supporting someone in stepping into more of their wholeness simply by creating an environment where they can shine some light in the darker places and and be received with love when they do, as opposed to the judgment that we expect in the world. So much can change externally for us when big things change internally for us and story can drive a lot of that. Yes, yes, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited to go through this process with you. So Corey, I'm in your hands. You tell me where we're going. <laughs> awesome, I love it. Thank you so much for the trust. So, so this'll be um, uh, a little bit of an abbreviated version of something that I've done many, many times. I do it from the stage. I've done it in you know, YPO groups. Um, I've, I've, uh, I've done it, we do it as part of our course. So this is, this is something I call my purpose, my story. We'll do um, kind of the opening to it. And so for you, Kristen, and for listeners, I encourage people to get into a comfortable position. We're going to do a short guided meditation. And so as much as possible, you want to limit distraction. Uh, if that's something that people are able to do, if they're listening to a recording, this is ideal to pause it for a moment and just kind of check in with your surroundings. If you have anybody else there, great moment to say, hey, I'm going to do something where it would really be helpful if it's possible for me to not be distracted. So you, you get the environment to conspire in your favor so you can be present to what will arise here. And, uh, and when you're ready, you can get into a nice, just comfortable seated position, ideally both feet on the floor. Uh, crown towards the ceiling. And, uh, and I encourage people to do this with either closed eyes or just soft gaze where you're not looking directly at anything, eyes mostly closed, but whatever is comfortable for each individual is, is for them to determine. And just take a quick moment to do a body check and, and just start elevating your noticing without any judgment or any need to change anything. Just notice what's occurring in your body, some of the easy access points might be tension, right? It's easy for us to notice you know, the back might be a little achy or, or we might have uh, tightness in our chest or, or maybe an injury that's irritating us. Just notice what is occurring within your physical body. And then you might draw your attention to your breath and just notice again, there's no need to change anything, but notice 
how air is coming in. For some people, right, it kind of gets, gets caught in the throat, maybe doesn't go much further. For other folks, maybe it comes into the chest. Maybe your breath is coming all the way into your diaphragm. Again, you don't need to change anything. It's just a process of noticing. And then you might kind of lean in with curiosity to your noticing and see what else about your breath you become aware of. For example, for some people, breath has color to it or texture to it. At a simpler level, there's some sound to breathing. Just notice the sound of your breath as it enters your body, as it leaves your body. And then you can get into more of the um, kind of more ethereal, is there energy to your breath? Right, as you, and if you zero in on anything, whether it be energy or color or texture, as you breathe in nicely and deeply, see if, how that fills your body, that energy or that light or that color, or even that sound, how is it moving in? and out. And how about we do together a nice deep inhale on three, two, one, and slowly let it out. And now I'd like to draw your attention to your feet on the floor. And you might just accentuate that, uh, that place where your feet meets the ground and you're noticing, noticing where do you make contact and where is there space? Right? For most of us, there's often a little bit of space in certain places. You might actually roll your feet around on the floor just to accentuate where you make contact and where you don't and just notice whatever you notice. And now I want you to imagine that roots are coming down from your feet and pushing into the earth below and notice however those roots show up for you there's no judgment there's no need to change anything just notice because they're going to show up a particular way for you as you push them down into the earth you may find they just push right beneath the floor of your feet you may find that your roots are very wide and expansive maybe they drill down all the way to the center of the earth or beyond However they're showing up for you is perfect. And just notice how you are rooting into the earth. Take a nice deep breath and push your air down into that root system and lean in with curiosity to see what else you notice about your roots. There might be sound to them as they push into the earth. You may be able to see their texture or feel it. You may smell the, whether it's bark or dirt or something that's not even tree-ish related that you are imagining, whatever's showing up for you, lean in and get curious. Take one more nice deep breath, push that air down into your root system and see if you notice anything else. And then we're gonna leave the roots below you going to bring your attention back to the body in the chair. Take one nice deep cleansing breath. Let that out. And now leaving the roots beneath you, I want to draw your attention skyward as though branches are extending from above you, 
pushing up into the area above you, you may find that they push just right above your head. Maybe your branches meet the ceiling. Maybe they break out way up into the sky or beyond. However they're showing up for you is perfect. Just notice how they show up for you. Your branches as they extend upward and take a nice deep breath and this time push that air up into your branch system and see what else you notice. Maybe your branches have color or light or texture. Maybe they have leaves, maybe they're barren. Maybe they have animals and creatures. Maybe they're not even made of anything tree-like, but something else, whatever showing up for you. Notice, get curious. Take one more nice deep breath, push that air up into those branches and see if there's anything else they have to tell you. Now you're gonna leave the branches above and the roots below and you're gonna bring yourself back to you in the chair and take a nice deep breath and push simultaneously down into your roots and up into your branches. And now see what arises for you. Whatever it is, it's perfect. See what arises as I ask you the question, what do you stand for? You may hear words, you may see words, you may see images or faces or whatever you're seeing, whatever's arising for you is perfect. Maybe it's energy or light, whatever it is, what do you stand for? Lean into it with curiosity and examine it like you did your roots and your branches. Whatever's showing up, get curious about its texture or sound or color or fragrance, whatever it is. Take a nice deep breath and push some oxygen into it. Pay particular attention to anything that's showing up that you might not like is showing up. That's okay, get curious about anything you're feeling resistance around as well. And if there's anything overall that's really calling to you, as I ask you that question one more time, I want you to throw a lasso around it and pull it in tight. What do you stand for? Take one more nice deep breath into it and ask it if it has anything else to share with you. Then you might extend some gratitude toward whatever showed up. And then you can slowly give it some space, wish it well. And then I encourage you to Leave this whole ecosystem that's in your imagination around you as you bring your attention back to yourself in the chair. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back. You don't have to look solidly at anything yet. You can just kind of get readjusted. Now for people at home, this is a point where they can pause the recording and take a couple minutes to write out and capture or draw however they want to capture whatever showed up for them. 
and then we'll continue. And I'd love for you to just take a moment, Kristen, to share, you can share verbally, you can sing it, what, what, however you want to express whatever <laughs> showed up for you. I'd love to hear. Oh, I wish I had a really a singing voice. I would sing it. Um, what showed up very strongly in terms of what I stand for was uh, love and equality. And was there what as you as you heightened your noticing around those? What did they What did they share with you? Well, it's interesting. I had there was this like ball of. Um, energy and there was all of these colors and it was effervescent and it was just this this beautiful circle of energy and um i what i felt as i was um i, I don't know i was kind of holding it and being with the words and what i was hearing is that you're you're doing it you're standing for what you believe in you're standing in for love and equality is what i was hearing i'm noticing the goosebumps as well as i'm saying this so there was a part that was it felt like was reconfirming that's what you're doing like you're you're standing for that mm. and um and and these sound the way that you're describing them like they are firmly enjoined as opposed to separate pieces for you are they if you if you teased them apart a little could you or are they inseparable the love and in the equality like the word yeah 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 it felt like they were very connected like it felt like they were interconnected so each of them separately yes there there's something about the energy of the each of them separately but together they have more power it felt like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and I'm just leaning in with my own curiosity of, of how are you experiencing what you're labeling as power? Mm. I'm noticing as I say, as I say the word power, I feel um, uh, some strength, this, um, some energy in my stomach. Um, it's, it's feel like, it feels like some bubbling up. And now as I'm talking about it, the bubbling up is coming all the way up my body. I'm noticing it's bubbling across my shoulders and I'm feeling a tingling, tingliness that's going all through my body as I'm talking about it. Mm. So it's got you firmly in its grip. I love that so very much, right? Like, uh, you, it's almost like, like we're owned by, right. This, this, that whatever is moving through us. So if you were to consider love and equality as one side of a coin, mm -hmm. if the other side is not its opposite, mm -hmm. it's its polarity, which right, is, is different for, um, I'll give an example for folks who might not be as familiar with, with what polarity, uh, what I'm referring to with polarity. So when I do this, ex when I first did this exercise with myself, I came up with special as as kind of my essence word and, um, and the other side of it, it's not ordinary or normal. For me, it was invisible. Mm. So I'm curious so if love and equality is on one side of the coin, how do you experience what we might say is the absence of love and equality? How do you language that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, the words that are coming up for me is like empty, emptiness, aloneness. Mm. Which of those um, are, are they somewhat inseparable, like love and equality, or mm -hmm. is one the primary, like one holding more energy for you? 
Hmm. Oh, I'm having a hard time giving up either of them. <laughs> okay. I won't make you. I'm not going to make you then. I won't make yeah. you. I, I want to honor that that's what's showing up for you. Most people I, pre- so, so um, when I, when, when we don't do this verbally, but we do it in writing the process, I, I, I let people kind of write out for a couple of minutes and then I ask them to select five individual words. Yeah. And then I make them let go of three of them. So yeah. they're only left with two. You you were right into the two. So I just wanted to honor that you showed up right there. So we kept going. And then oftentimes I'll be like, okay, you have to let go, but you only get one. But I, I really, you, you're intertwining this. I just, I'm, I'm very comfortable honoring that. That's how it's showing up for you. So you have love and equality on one side you have emptiness and alone on the other. So if we look at the dynamics between these two sides of the coin. Mm. I am convinced that if you look back throughout your life, chances are at least once every decade, Mm. there's been a really intense collision Mm. between these two sides of the coin. So much so that, that you thought you understood the world, like let's say maybe as love and equality and the world showed up and was like, oh, my dear, No, the world is about emptiness and being alone. Mm. And if you can, I'm curious, you're you're nodding your head for those who who are listening. I'm watching you nod your head. Is there there one of those collisions that is really showing up for you apparently right now? Yeah, for sure. I notice um, what shows up for me as you say that is I can remember feeling an empty and aloneness when I would have been in grade seven. And when kind of things were transitioning, I now understand kids were going into adolescence and it was a very confusing time. I experienced some bullying. I was a bystander with someone else who was experiencing bullying. I experienced bullying and I was trying to understand and navigate uh, a time in my life that felt very disorienting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm hearing that previous to that, maybe in your home, love and equality were in abundance. Yeah. Love and equality. And same with friendships. I'd been with the same kids since kindergarten until grade seven, you know, birthday parties and sleepovers and constantly together. And so I felt all of that love and equality in the friendships and as well at home. And now all of a sudden it felt like, Oh, what's going on here. It's not all of a sudden here. So it was, I really lost my grounding. Yes. Okay. So So if you think about your seventh grade self, right, we all experience the pain of this collision in a very personal, unique way. Pain is different for all of us. If you were to zero in on your experience of that pain, Mm. and maybe it's your memory of it, however you're relating to the question, what what shows up for you? Mm -hmm. There was something wrong with me internalized mm-hmm. yeah 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 I'm, I'm i am grabbing my heart thank you so i also imagine right that you have now spent a good deal of your life turning that specific pain into a sense of purpose that you help other people to contend with and you're, you're nodding your head. Yeah. Yes, there's that, um, that potential to 
I'm experiencing when you said it, I experienced it as a, a caving in on, on myself. You, know, you, you might experience it differently, but um, right when when we when we point inwards at ourselves mm -hmm. after feeling I mean I got the image of like before that there was this freedom in the world and then all of a sudden it was oh oh no this is not the way the world is and how we however you language right fall in upon ourselves internally blame and and obviously you you find your way out of that at some point right mm -hmm. which which requires a tremendous amount of creativity from a human being mm -hmm. you don't have the tools to deal with that as a child but intuitively something happens where you get creative and you figure out how do i rebuild myself so i can continue not the same as before but somehow mm. whatever you did creatively to feel safe in the world again we call it well let me ask you do you know do you know what yeah, that was for yourself I are you willing are you open to sharing that? of course i didn't i i love breaking this all down because i didn't know this is what i was doing but yeah so i had been in the same school for all the same people for the last eight years and uh i was gonna go back to that same school and be with all the same kids and then i made a decision three weeks before school was supposed to start and i said I'm not going there anymore. I'm going to a new school, new people. It's time to reinvent myself. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So, so you as a seventh grader had the capacity to say, no, I do not accept this. I refuse. Right. And, and, and I don't know what the, you know, ecosystem response was of immediate support or resistance or whatever. Uh, but you made the call. First off, I'm just blown away by that. That's amazing because I, I did not have that kind of power as a seventh grader in my own world. Like, so I'm really moved that that you you were able to take that kind of stand for yourself. And I imagine. Um, man, oh my gosh, so many, <laughs> Kristen, I'm just aware, so many people will spend decades getting to the point where they understand what's that boundary, what's my cutoff point where I say no. And you knew it as a seventh grader. So I call that your superpower, mm -hmm. how you creatively met um, that moment of collision, mm. right? You, you said, oh no, I'm standing for me because I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame myself for this, or I don't like blaming myself enough that I am going to remove myself from the situation that is causing me to do that. My language, not yours. So yours might be a variation of that, but the, your capability to step into that so quickly, I imagine you're someone who now as a coach in what you do, you can see people in that moment very clearly. You can help them find their boundary line years before they could find it themselves, maybe a lifetime before they could find it themselves and support them in asking themselves, what's the stand that they are being called to make? And you can hold them in that space as they step into making that decision for themselves should they choose to. 
Wow. It's, it's so beautiful to have this reflected back. And I just want to say it was grade eight. It was grade eight when I made the decision to switch and go to a different high school, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And to the point where people call me boundary queen, that people have come to me, they have come to me because they're like, I'm coming to you because I know that if anyone's going to help me to honor my boundaries, it's going to be you. And so, and as you're saying that I, I ended a friendship when I was in, in grade grade 12 for the same reason where I was like, yeah, you're not honoring who I am. We don't have shared values. I didn't know that's what I was doing. I didn't have the language for it, but I said, we're done. We're done. And so you're right. I've, I've, I've honored boundaries without realizing that's what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Profound internal compass. You might say, I don't know, however you language it. Right. But that based on the experience you had, right. And, and I love, you know, for, for the one side of the coin that we land on first, Everybody in my experience either had an abundance of that in their home or an, a complete and total lack of it, right? And then something happens where they are either pulled away from the thing that felt so safe and have to make their way back creatively, or they find that thing for the first time and then creatively work to protect and ensure they always have it and never lose it again. And then you go on with the rest of your life, helping other people with that very thing because you mastered it so young. And the, the, what, what I enjoy so much from a storytelling angle is that this superpower is also your kryptonite. It can also be the thing that you use in situations because it's, you're so good at it that you sometimes use it where it's not the appropriate tool for the moment. Right. And then you can you can create your own self-sabotage. You can intend to be of service, but uh, but actually be, you know, working from a hidden agenda. You didn't even realize you had, you know, things that we do as human beings. We told we just do them. And, and but we can raise awareness through the recognition of of how the world has moved through us. And when we're aware, we can notice more and we can have that moment of holy smokes, I was just about to use my superpower. And I don't know that it's really the right tool for the job today. I love it. It's the right tool for, for a lot of the stuff I get to do. And I'm not going to use it right now because actually it might disempower someone else. Not everyone, you know, there's rest, there's coaching and then there's rescuing, right? And so even knowing those, those balances, when we can excavate the story like this, we can support ourselves in showing up truly in service, which is sometimes to use our gift and sometimes to step back and allow someone else's gift to take center stage. I'm so thank you so much for, for being willing to go through this with me. I hope that your listeners got value and can see a piece of themselves in this. I love, love, love that your story is um, so immediately accessible and understandable in terms of what you do. And I can feel it just in, in how you showed up with me from our first Hello. <laughs> wow. So for everyone listening, I just have to tell you how powerful it is, not only to have you pulling it out like that, but to feel, and this is, I think what one of your superpowers, Corey, is how you're witnessing and holding space and making me feel really seen and heard as I'm sharing that. Um, I might not have shared in the same way if I didn't feel witnessed and held in the way that you were witnessing and holding. Mm. Yes. Thank you for feeling that it's, it is, it is the thing that I feel I'm here to be of service to offer. So thank you for seeing that. Yeah.
Wow. Wow. So um, thank you so much, first of all, for bringing me on that experience. It was, and and when things like that happen, I can tell even just right now, after this podcast, there will be processing, right? I've shifted in a way that we can't put into words, which is beautiful. And, um, and we all have stories and we're all hungering to connect to those parts of ourselves and to share with others, right? That that's why I was also comfortable to share here, like in service of not about me in service of all of us, right? Our stories connect us. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more from you around, you know, what's that like to be on that journey with people and um, do that work, whether it's with individuals and organizations, like, you know, when you start to think of the before the after, what do you see in that magic? Uh, it's the most remarkable thing. I'm, I really feel so deeply humbled by what I get to bear witness to. Um, because people will particularly, you know, you did it beautifully without me needing to lead by example. You were, you were able to trust me inherently, I think, because you know yourself as well as you do. Um, that's my, my, the story I'm, I'm telling myself, I don't know if it's entirely accurate, but, but that's, that's what feels in the ballpark to me. And, um, but so in the course, I lead with my own vulnerability so that I help to create some psychological safety for people. It's almost like I'll give you a secret and then, you know, inherently it's easier for someone else to, to reply in kind and, and to be able to, um, to help people to track back to these moments in life that, that when we can connect the dots, make it so obvious that we've been prepared for what we do today. There's, um, I find, I, I think I get to witness a relief in people. You get to let go of all of the coincidence making in our heads or all of the, the, the meaning making that, or even the, 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 the feeling like I'm not sure goes away, right? And people get to step into, oh no, the universe has been preparing me for this. And if you, right, if you, if you were to go back, like you had your love that you could excavate your, your seventh and eighth grade moment. Um, I, I have no doubt that, that these collide for you. Like I said, like probably once a decade for some people more, for some people a little less, but we come up against our same stuff, just a different, often more complex version of it. Cause we found our way around our stuff until we can't. Right. And, and that's just how it shows up. So we, we repeat versions of it throughout our lives that kind of, make us a living theme of something that the world needs to heal. And, and the more of us that know what that piece is that we are here to serve with in a healing fashion, uh, right. The, the more that we are feel empowered to step into actually being of greater service to realizing even how do I make myself visible to those who need me, Right. There's your, there's what you have on, on what anyone has on their website. And then there's the story of, well, let me tell you about the first time love and equality, you know, collided so intensely um, with emptiness and loneliness in my world and why I'm a champion for people who are somewhere on that spectrum between and trying to find their way. Like I can inherently trust you with this piece of my life because you I can see you've been prepared for it way different than an intellectual marketing approach or what we put in our LinkedIn profile (laughs) 
right? Who doesn't want to work with someone who was born to do the work they do? Well, we all were, we just don't know how to connect those dots in a way that other people can really see the way that we can be of assistance and support and service to them. So giving people that language or being a part of the journey for them to excavate that language for themselves, um, it's, it's, it's really lovely. It's, it's, I, it fills me with so much overwhelm and joy. I, there's nothing else I want to do in the world, which is also hard because I, there are other things you have to do in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I could live in this. I, I, I sincerely would. It's, it's so lovely. Well, and I could see how rewarding it is in both like you're doing your work that you're put on this earth to do. And through that, it's just continuously uncovering other people's. And, and I, I feel like when you start to think about organizations and one of the things I talk a lot about in, in this show and my mission is really about humanizing the work and transforming leaders ultimately in doing my version of what you're talking about, right? Like is to really help them uncover and get, take those layers off to who they truly are at their core when they weren't being the persona they thought they needed to be. And so when you think about organizations and how they can be creating more of a space for this, like I know you've done great work with ones like Zappos and, and that kind of stuff. Where, where do you think the opportunity is there? It's so immense. It's almost indescribable. Um, I mean, stories power all of our behavior. All of our behavior is a result of the story we're telling ourselves about the moment. Bottom line, like, right? Like, it's just how we make sense of the world. And our stories are rarely accurate, <laughs> right? That, like, you know, in the same way, I, I love this metaphor. It just tickles me. Like, during the pandemic, I'm walking around when I see someone wearing a mask, which we're seeing constantly, right? Uh, what I think they look like under there, never, ever accurate, ever. So like all the meaning making I do about somebody else is just as inaccurate, but when we know each other's stories and where we are coming from and kind of how we've been shaped, we get closer to a story that is, you know, at least a lowercase t true. And with organizations, when we do this, I, one of the things I love about this work is we always do it um, in some kind of community. So, and it's, and it's hugely important. Doing the work on your own is, is certainly valuable. So for any listeners, right, if you wrote, if you, if you write your answers down to this, you get value from that. But there is something monumentally different about speaking it out loud to other people. There's an ownership that happens that is different. And so all of our um, classes and courses um, have a community aspect where people, everyone is doing their own work, but they're doing their own work together. And then they come together at certain points and share pieces of this and eventually share their story, which is kind of like, you know, you can think of it like the TEDx version of my life. 15 minutes, I'm gonna share with you, bottom line, how I became the person I came and this is why I champion this message. And most people, what they think they're going to come out with is different than what they end up with, right? Because we have a hard time, um, I think, honoring some of our greatest gifts or they're just, there's a lot of unprocessed pain in that. And this allows people some opportunity to add some breathing room to that and feel less of their own internal judgment and potential for external judgment. Like if you receive love as you explore this every step of the way, far more likelihood that you're going to go out into the world with it. 
Well, when teams do this work, people who work together in the world do this work, the level of trust that is established between them is insane. Like they get to then ask the question, okay, we can see what everyone was made to do. Now we get to ask the question, what were we made to do together? And that is such an exciting proposition, whether it's a leadership team, whether it is a frontline team, you know, those configurations of people who work together side by side on a regular basis, when you know each other's superpowers and how they were shaped initially, and you know your kryptonite, you can help each other, right? To step in. This is what's called for in this moment. This is, this is, this is what actually we need to hold back from so that we don't sabotage our work together without intending to like, but they can have those kinds of conversations in a safe way because it's been explored. So I am, I just love this work with teams. You can do diversity and inclusion work with them, right? You can get in, you can get into specific stories using this model, you know, for like, if we did the guided meditation around the first time that you were, you were a different tree from every other tree. And the first time that you felt like there was another tree that wasn't like the rest of your trees, if you can tell those two stories, then you understand what it is to be the subject of some form of racism, right? Everyone has a version of that story. If we can unearth those, we can have conversations we couldn't otherwise have in the workplace. Like all of that becomes accessible through story. Yeah. And as you're saying that, it just feels like a level of empathy and compassion that you can't necessarily access without those stories. We can't. Uh, it's so, or it's not that we can't, it's just so hard. This process makes it easy to lean in and to um, feel a tremendous amount of love and compassion and affection because you're, you're, we have a saying, our, one of our taglines is vulnerability is sexy. And it's not to imply that being vulnerability, being vulnerable feels sexy. It doesn't. Being vulnerable is brutal. Like it's really rough, right? But witnessing people being vulnerable, it is an igniting experience. You, it, 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 right? We can't help but feel alive when we see someone grappling with something they've never said out loud before. There's a, there is a, an attraction you know, it's not, you know, we use sexy as a, as a buzzword, but it's a, it's a, it's a visceral human attraction. It's an inspiration. It's a, it's an, it's an, I honor you for doing the hard stuff. Um, I'm going to try and do my hard stuff too. And if we can all do the hard stuff together, like, well, what can we do after that? That's mm -hmm. such a fun, exciting, enlivening question. Yeah. And how did you get into that project with the, I remember you talking about the vol on your website, talking about the vulnerability project. How did that get started? Um, our book writing pro we were really born as a book writing company, 2006. And, um, and we recognize, so, but we, we attracted a certain kind of individual who really wanted to write the book they were born to write. Just not an intellectual exercise. It's not a do these 10 things and you'll be better at your business. Those have a different kind of value, but people were coming to us to kind of unearth this um, this story that they were meant to share. Much like I would say, what you what you shared today is a piece of like the story that you're meant to share. And and throughout that process, what we had to do was every step of the relationship, we had to figure out how do we enhance trust so that we can take someone from what they'll share in the first month, which is rather surface stuff, oftentimes to um, in month three, 
when they'll start telling us things that they haven't told any of their friends month four or five, when they'll tell us things they've never told their spouse month, six or seven, when they'll start saying things out loud, they've never said to themselves before, like anything that disrupts that trust, it um, really hinders that whole process and can elongate and, and make it um, more of a, it can cause the, the individual to suffer more than is necessary. And we want to reduce suffering so that people stay in that, in that process. So throughout that, we just recognized um, vulnerability and what's required for vulnerability. We've got to pay so much attention to. And then of course we get to this point where it's like, okay, well that's really intense and it's very expensive for people because we surround them with psychological safety, often a team, you know, that can be a, that can be a six figure experience for somebody who's trying to birth something that's going to really go out in a big way to the world. And so we start asking the question, what are, what's a, what's a smaller bite-sized version of this? First one we created was uh, our vulnerability walls, which we do at events and love them so very much. Um, people share something they feel vulnerable, vulnerable about as they're coming into the experience our artists turn it into art. And then when they come back on the wall has been drawn a reflection of what they shared. And this thing that in their head might've been ugly or shameful, or they felt guilt about is now beautiful in front of them. And that's a collision moment where they get to decide subconsciously, which version of this story do I want to move forward with that? This is a piece of my ugliness, or this is a piece of my beauty. And then they're doing it in community with everyone else who's at the event. So like, so that was our aversion, but those are, those are not inexpensive either, right? You got to send artists around the country and they got to build this wall. And, you know, we've done huge 60 foot wall, like just cool stuff. Um, so then we kept asking the question, how do we deliver this in other ways? And then we came up with our game. Yeah. What's, the, what's the $49 version that people can have in their <laughs> home and play with their family or play at work and, and those experiences. And, um, and now our courses are, an extension of the very similar, but what I am so, or why I feel so called to our, our roundtable storytelling academy as kind of what we are meant to do in the world is all this other work that we've done, people share with us and then we create art and then we reflect it back to them. In this, in the coursework, all of our classes are about guiding and holding space for other people to make art out of their own story and the amount of ownership that people get to feel when they realize they're the artist of their life and can start owning that and own what we refer to as their heroic nature. It's a monumentally different world around them all of a sudden. So thank you for asking about that and, and allowing me to share a bit of kind of how we, how we got here. It's very, um, it's very meaningful to me to be able to reflect on, walk that journey again and, and feel the preciousness of where we are right now and the importance of how we are deciding to do it now. Yeah. And I, I'm so proud of you, Corey, when you listen to those moments where you recognize, okay, I'm being pulled in this pathway. And I, I knew I wouldn't want this conversation to end. However, <laughs> as we start to wrap up, I always like to give my, um, I give my guests an opportunity to leave whatever is showing up for you as a final thought. Oh my gosh. I am. Um, I'm really overwhelmed that you had the courage to at you're the first, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm on a quote unquote podcast tour doing lots of like, 
you right away, you were like, let's do that experiential thing that you offered in your pitch. Most people, you know, this is, this is not the safe pathway because you don't know what to expect. And you being an experiential person, um, your audience knowing that, like I have a feeling they're, they're going on the ride with you. And that's such a gift to me for you to allow me to show what I do as opposed to talk about what I do. It truly, I'm just so I'm overwhelmed with gratitude and appreciation. And uh, I'm, I am now a forever adoring fan of, of you in the world. It, it's very, very mutual Corey. And where can people learn more about you? They can find us at roundtablecompanies.com. It's companies with an IES. Um, they can find me on uh, uh, online, like Instagram, Corey Blake 9000, C O R E Y. Please come check out what we're up to. We are we are learning how to sell courses, which is a whole new you know <laughs> hero's journey unto itself. Been a service business for 16 years, and and it's still an act of service, but it's different. And uh, and and we need brave souls to come in and, and check out what this is, so they can help us understand what it is that we've created so that we can indeed get it out to, to more people and be more impactful in the world. Yes. And for everyone listening, make sure to share this episode with others so that they can learn about all of these amazing storytelling courses. Corey, thank you so much for being here today. I'm truly honored. Thank you, Kristen. And to everybody around the world, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We're sending tons of love. Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.